I'm your host, Lee W. Johnson, and welcome to my podcast, where I talk about all things related to magic, witchcraft, demonolatry, and a whole load of other related things. If you would like to find out more about me, get in touch with me, or hire me for a service, please go to my website, leewjohnson.com, or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. Testing the spirits. Right, so this is something that comes up repeatedly. I have done various um, videos on this topic, um, but it, I still get asked a lot about how do we test the spirits. And admittedly, in previous videos, I have just gone about saying, you know, just ask them questions, do this, do that. But uh, I was recently reading um, Tara Sanchez's book, The Temple of Hecate, and uh, there's a step-by-step guide in there on how to test the spirits. So I thought I would take that and we have a look at each step individually. All right, so testing the spirits. Now, testing the spirits has to be done with all of the spirits. It doesn't matter if it's a god, a goddess, a demon, or an angel. It doesn't matter what it is, you have to test the spirits. Because astral parasites can come along and they can pose as the spirits that we are wanting to talk with and communicate with. And if they can trick us, they can get hold of us and create trust and it just snowballs and it's all downhill from there, really. Um, but what is difficult for a lot of people is the whole idea of testing the spirits, testing the gods, testing the goddesses, testing these these divine beings, these um, these beings which have a position of power and authority. And the reason for that is because of how we're brought up how we are trained, how we are um, programmed within our society. And that is one whereby you do not question authority. And especially in the Christian worldview, you do not question the authority, you do not question God, you do not test them because it is a divine power, you cannot test it. It is. If you do so, you are being insubordinate and disrespectful and things like that. So we get programmed and we get used to the idea that we should not test authority and we should not question authority. If we do, we're bad people. But when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to witchcraft, paganism, uh, demonolatry, um, ceremonial magic, whatever it is, magic related, um, in, on these pagan, very broad umbrella there, pagan paths, we have to test the spirits. And it's not only that we have to, it's also expected. It's expected from the spirits, from the gods and the goddesses, from the demons and the angels. It is expected that we test them. Um, it shows our merit. It shows that we are not willing to just, you know, kind of sit down and take it on faith. We have to test them in order to make sure that we are on good grounds, that we are talking to a spirit which is not going to harm us. 
Right. So let's go through the list. All right. So step one, ask the entity if they agree to be tested. All right. So with each of these, pretty simple. If they decline, you banish and leave. If they accept, you move on to the next step. All right. So when it comes to asking the entity if they agree to be tested, again, it's coming back to the whole idea of, um, you know, we are brought up in the society where we are taught not to test authority or question authority. If we do, we are insubordinate. So this becomes very difficult for a lot of people to do, but do it anyway, because you want to remain healthy you don't want to be taken out by uh, astral parasites. You don't want them coming along and attaching to them and draining your energy. So we have to test. So first step obviously is to ask the spirit if they agree to be tested. If they don't, then they have something to hide. And quite often what you'll find is if you have a teacher or a person in a position of authority or power, um, you know, normal person in your everyday life who does not want to be questioned and if you try to question them they will tell you to shut up you're not allowed to question them it's probably because they don't actually know what they're talking about or they have something to hide and therefore you should not question them any good teacher or any good leader you should be able to question and they will sit down with you and they will have it out they will talk to you they will communicate with you they will um, relay their point of view um, and all such things so you really need to ask them first if they agree to be tested if they do not they are not the entity that you thought you were going to be speaking to um, well provided that you thought you were going to be speaking to a divine intelligence, a god or goddess, demon, angel, etc., etc., something of a higher power. Um, assuming that, then, you know, if they agree to be tested, they probably aren't hiding something, and you can carry on. So then you go on to the next step. As I said, if they decline, if they say, I will not be tested, do not question me, banish them, get rid of them, they're not worth the effort, they're not worth the time. Then step two, ask entity for their name and any affiliations they may have. Now, when it comes to an entity's name, this is really relating to when you first start working with a particular entity or spirit. Um, if you have been working them with them for a, for a while, for a long time, they may, they may not always, but they may give you a personal name. And the personal name is something that you alone use with them to identify them. So they may, may give you that name. Um, sometimes people refer to this as the true name. Um, and a true name can have power over an entity. Um, so there is that aspect. But in this regard, you know, when you first meet a spirit and you need to test it in order to make sure it is the spirit that you want to work with you ask what its name is and you ask for any affiliations um, the affiliations may be that they are the daughter or son of such and such a god or, and goddess 
Um, they are affiliated with particular things, uh, correspondences that relate to their own position. And again, if they decline to answer this, banish and leave. Otherwise, go on to step three. Step three is ask entity to swear upon their identity that their responses to you will always be truthful. Now, do bear in mind that even if it's the spirit that you did not want to, um, or the spirit that you, you thought you were going to communicate uh, originally to begin with, it may not be that spirit that you are talking to and it may have gotten through these tests by tricking you. There are all these possibilities. Unfortunately, there's no one-size-fit-all type of um, uh, understanding or a, a, a perfect manual that gets you through all of this. There are fuzzy lines and things get sticky here and there. So it, there is the possibility that this spirit could have tricked you anyway and has gone, th gone through all these tests. So you do also need to use your own discernment. You need to use your gut instinct. If things don't feel right, if things feel a bit icky and you know, you, you, you've got this thing in the back of your head that's saying there's something wrong here, um, then just banish and leave and try another day. So remember that. You've got to also go with gut feeling. This isn't just like a test and a right answer or a wrong answer. This is a test make sure that you feel all right with the answer that you're getting. Okay, so don't forget that gut feeling. Um, the spirit you're communicating could still be an astral parasite that has reached a particular level where they know all the answers to these questions. Um, and they may even swear on their own, on their identity or the identity that they are given that they will give you true responses and they could trick you so again gut, gut feeling trust your gut instinct and go with that um, but what you'll find is usually if you've gone through all of these three tests then you are most likely speaking with the spirit that you intended to in the first place so ask them to swear on their own identity um, that their responses to you will always be truthful all right, and if they can swear on their own identity, because there's a lot of honour uh, within the spirit world, within within the magic world, actually, there is a lot of honour, and we as humans tend to forget that because there is such deception that we live with on a day-to-day -day basis in our world that we forget about honour. Um, but there is uh, honour within the spirit world, so um, usually you can be assured that if they swear on their own identity that you are speaking with the spirit you intended to um, then again if the spirit declines or something doesn't feel right then banish and leave otherwise go on to step four now step four is introduce yourself in a formal manner this isn't technically a test um, but it is something which is good etiquette when you meet a spirit and there's a little bit more to this step as well so what you do is you introduce yourself in this formal manner so this could be something like um, I am give your full name 
whose father is, give your father's full name, and whose mother is, give your mother's full name. Or it could be, um, I am your full name, um, who was given life by your mother's full name. Uh, a lot of traditions do have a matriarchal uh, line, so you quite often just focus on the mother, on the mother's name. And you can make it even more formal. You can go through that and then you can start um, listing. You can give them your magical name. You can um, uh, give them your rank within your tradition and the tradition itself. Um, it's very much sort of similar going back to asking them to give their, what was it, in step two, um, ask entity for their name and any affiliations they may have. So you've asked them to do it. So what you're doing now is um, giving your own name and affiliations. Um, that's of course, you know, if you have a magical name and you have a position within a tradition and what that tradition is, if you have, don't have that, then you don't give that. You just tell them your name and who you were born or who gave birth to you. Um, then what you can do is, by this time, as I said, you probably are, you can be assured that you're talking with the spirit. And again, use your gut instinct if things are still not feeling right, vanish and leave, try another day. Um, but at this point, you should be quite assured that um, this is the spirit. And what you can then do is give them passwords or a password and questions. For instance, you know, don't give them too many questions. You don't want to make it like a, a year-end exam or something, but just one or two questions and give them the answers so that when you meet them again, you ask them for the password, you ask them to answer the questions that you were, that they were given, and then you know this is the spirit you were talking to originally, and it's the right spirit. Um, there's also again gut instincts when you do meet a god or goddess or demon or angel something of a divine intelligence or a higher power um, there's a gut feeling you kind of you get used to that the feeling that they give as opposed to if it was an astral parasite so the more you work with the spirits the easier this, this discernment becomes and the less testing you actually need to do, but you should test the spirits on all occasions, especially when it is a spirit you are first working with, when you are just introducing yourself to them. All right, so banishing. Um, how do we banish? This is usually just the normal uh, banishing pentagram of Earth. And what you do is you draw it in front of you, and in blue flame, often, well, you can really visualize it in whatever color or whatever thing you want to visualize it as, but quite often it's a blue flame. Uh, so you draw the banishing pentagram in blue flame, and then you just push it at them. And the pentagram goes through them, and they'll disappear. They'll just vanish into thin air. All right? Um, this is actually another way you can test the spirit itself. If the spirit is a divine intelligence and it is of a higher vibration and something that you want to be in your own space with you and communicate with you, if you do a banishing, you'll probably find that if it is that spirit, it will not disappear. 
Um, but if it is a spirit or of a low vibration, it will definitely disappear. And if it is something that you do not want around in your space because it is harmful to you, it is going to disappear. It's going to go away. Um, so the banishing pentagram, I'm not sure this is going to relate properly, so I'll give you the position instructions. But basically you start at the bottom left, go up to the top point, down to the bottom right, cross to the top left, cross horizontally across to the top right, and then back down to the bottom left. So if you were to imagine if you're standing up and you put your hand on your left hip, then move your hand out so it's pointing forward. So if this was my hip, just trying to get it in camera here, put your hand on your left hip and then point forward. Okay, let me try that again. Point forward. Okay, so hand on left hip, point forward. Then what you're going to do is draw a line from there straight up to a point which is level with your head. Okay, pointing forward. And then draw down to your right hip, again pointing forward. Then up to your left shoulder, pointing forward. Across your right shoulder, pointing forward. And then back down to your left hip. Okay. So that's the banishing pentagram. And you can do that with your fingers. You can do it with your hand. You can do it with your FMA um, if you're in the spirit world. Uh, or in the astral realm with the spirit, you know, venturing, journeying through. Um, what you often do during these these exercises is actually uh, create your own magical uh, tools within the astral realm. So you may have a sword, you may have an athame, you may have a wand. Um, so you can use that if you want. Or, as I said, just your fingers. I usually use two fingers, so like that. Um, or you can use your palm your hand, whatever feels right for you. Um, but yeah, you just draw the banishing pentagram of Earth, you push it at the spirit and let it fly through the spirit and it will disappear. And then just leave, come back to your normal reality and have a cup of tea and a biscuit. All right, um, so that is testing the spirit's step-by-step -step guide. Hope that helps. And this is probably the last one. I'll probably speak about it again at some stage. Um, I do realize that uh, some people come onto the channel and they haven't watched the older previous videos. Um, so the questions get asked um, over and over again from you know that perspective. So I'll probably talk about it again. But what I can, can do in the future is just refer people to this particular video um, because it is more defined and definite. All right. Welcome to my channel. This is the Ask Lee Wednesday segment. So if you're not sure what's going on, you can ask me a question about magic and witchcraft, uh, spirituality, demonology, all of that stuff in the comments below to the Ask Lee videos, and I will add it to the list and answer them 
in this particular segment. So today we are doing two follow-up questions from LK and Yolandi T about uh, communicating uh, and listening to spirits and working with the pantheons. Okay, so the first question for LK, and thank you for the uh, super thanks of five pounds. That was much appreciated. Um, how can we train ourselves to properly listen to spirits? This question is more relevant for people who don't feel as though they have a strong psychic ability. Okay, so this really is for me because I do not have a very strong psychic ability myself. I have always struggled and battled with this. Um, so really, it's a case of practice and keep practicing. Um, I have mentioned it in the past that what you'll probably find is as you continue to do the work, it becomes easier and easier. And in, in most cases, it's almost like it's already there, but we just don't recognize it. Um, so, you know, you may sit down and you may try and have a conversation with a spirit um, and the answers are coming, but we're not recognizing it, we're not hearing it, we're not listening. And the reason for that is usually because we've blocked ourselves off. Um, so it really is very much a shift in belief. Um, it may have been knocked out of us when we were children, you know, don't believe in fairies, they're not real. Um, ghosts are not real, monsters are not real, all of these things that we get taught as we're growing up. Uh, some people do not have that growing up. They, they don't, their parents may have actually um, told them that fairies are real and that, uh, you know, spirits and gods and goddesses are all real. So it doesn't get removed from them. But at the same time, even in a situation like that, just Western society itself will do it. Um, and we become adults, we get responsibilities, and we have to shift ourselves away from that, and we put up a, a bit of a wall. Um, but it's that whole shift that happens from this belief that there is something there that we can interact with, that we can communicate with and have a relationship with, as we would if we were children into adulthood where you know we've got to take on the responsibilities of life so we don't have time for that that needs to just be disregarded um, and we need to bring ourselves back into that childlike attitude and it's very very difficult because it's been years and years and years of training from that childhood through to your adulthood of training and in ingraining of these beliefs and to try and get, a, get ourselves back to that is very, very difficult. And it can be a long process and a long path, but it can be done. You just need to stick with it and you just need to keep practicing and keep trying. But what you will find often is that um, when you are trying to communicate with the spirits and you, you're trying to listen, you're trying to hear it, in that situation, you, you are actually forcing it. So don't expect anything. Just open yourself up. Just ask a question. If you don't get an answer, that's fine. You know, don't try and force it. 
um, you might get the answer later. It may come, you know, the, the spirit may have actually just stood there in front of you and told you, but you didn't hear it. So they will repeat it later and it may come in a dream. It may come in information that you find in a book that you're reading. Um, so that information will come across to so keep yourself open to that communication. Not everybody hears spirits. Not everybody interacts directly with them. Um, in some situations, that communication comes in, as I said, dreams or information that you find in a book or somebody says something which you kind of realize is the answer you were looking for. Um, so that communication can happen in many, many, many ways. Um, but if you are referring specifically to hearing with your ears or your psychic ears, um, because it's actually more of a mental um, telepathic type communication that we get, then what you will find, and this especially is in a case of if you are doing a journey and working with the spirit in that sense, of actually journeying to their realm and communicating with them directly in their space. Um, you'll probably find that you will get a communication, but again, they're not all going to communicate with you verbally. It could be through feelings or thoughts or images. Um, but if you do get that verbal mental communication, um, you may, uh, and quite often we do, I know I, I did, and I still do sometimes, I doubt that the words that I think I got were actually real or whether it was just me adding to the interpretation. So what you'll, what you'll find is that as you continue to do this, you get a particular communication which is completely out of bounds of what you would have thought, what you would have um, even considered saying. Um, and this kind of makes you realize that it's not your imagination, it is actual communication. But as I said, it takes practice, it takes time. So you just gotta be patient, just keep doing it over and over again. And eventually you'll see those little patterns come in. Um, you'll see the, the way they actually communicate with you. And it's gonna be different with you than it is with anyone, anybody else. One person may get emotions, another person may get imagery. Uh, another person may be purely within dreams. Um, somebody else may hear that verbal tele telepathic communication. So the way you communicate with spirits is something you have to discover for yourself. Um, so it, I don't even, I'm not even sure it has to do with the um, development of psychic abilities. Um, because as I said, I think those things are already there. It's just that we've forgotten. We've removed ourselves from it. And that whole process of development of psychic abilities then becomes a re-emergence or a realignment or a remembering. Um, it's a remembering of what we are um, and the, the abilities that we have. It's just that they got through our, our process of becoming an adult it got removed, it got pushed out of us um, because we had to take on those responsibilities of adult life and making money, paying the bills and all of those things, which is really, really boring, but it's got to be done. Um, okay, so let me just get to the next question from Yoli T. 
Okay. Uh, from ULET, thank you very much. Just a follow-up question. If it happens that the two spirits do not get along when working with them together, will it be possible to work with them separately? If so, how do you approach it? Okay, so this was in regards to a question that Yoliti had uh, uh, regarding working with different pantheons. And in some cases, the spirits that you call in from two different pantheons may get along. In other cases, they're not going to get along. Um, yes, you can work with them separately. So what you can do is set up two different altars. Now, not everybody has that type of space. Um, you know, when I say set up two different altars, um, what usually comes to mind is an altar in one room and an altar in another room. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. What you can do is in the same room, on the same wall, have two different spaces that are dedicated to the different deities, to the different spirits. And when you want to work with one, you sit in front of that altar. When you want to work with the other one, you move over to the left or the right and you uh, sit in front of that altar. Um, and what you can do, more of a psychological trick, is if you have the two altars next to each other, you want to work with this one particular spirit, you light candle and incense which are dedicated to that altar and that kind of activates um, the communication. And then you put it out and it deactivates the communication, it shuts it down. Um, so kind of like picking up uh, a telephone, you know, the old telephones or pressing the, the green button on your phone to make a call. Uh, until you do that, the call's not connected. And once you press the red button, um, the call is disconnected. So the light and the candle and the incense is that connection and disconnection. And then when you want to work with the other spirit, you just light the candle in incense there and that activates that connection. So you can usually work with it in that regard. Um, if you, this is obviously, you know, regarding your question is um, if, the, if the two spirits do not get along, you then have to work with them separately. But obviously, if you have spirits which do get along, you can put them all on the same altar. You would then light the candle and incense um, for that collective um, or the collection of deities or spirits which you are dedicating that altar to. Um, and you can work with them interchangeably in that regard. Uh, but, you know, in this case where they don't get along, you do want to try and keep them separate and work with them separately at different times. Okay, so I think that covers that question. And that's it for this week. Actually, that's just quite a quick one today. So uh, we'll get into more questions next week anyway. Have a good one for now. Cheers. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by, well, myself, Lee W. Johnson. To find out more about me, please visit my website at leewjohnson.com or check out my link tree in the description of this podcast. If you like the video format, then subscribe to my YouTube channel. That's me for this week. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks for listening.